you know, Champas wasn't really adjusting to that. Like many clubs didn't. They didn't adjust to the changing of the guard, the, the fact that gay people wanted something a little bit different than just, you know, poppers and club beats. I mean, I don't know why, because they're amazing. Hello, I am Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. This week, it's our first ever visit to Wales, and we're going to the second largest city, Swansea, which has a population of around about 250,000, to find out about the Lost Bar Champers. I caught up with Craig Law, host of the In The Mix show on Gadio, the world's biggest LGBT radio station, to find out why the bar has a special place in his heart. Craig gives me advice on what to do when your friend pulls and you're left standing on your own like an idiot, shares the impact of Section 28 on his coming out, and ponders what happened to Swansea's once vibrant queer scene. To be honest, I don't think I knew what gay was growing up. You know, I kind of, I mean, it's it's really cliche, but you you knew you were different, but you couldn't quite put your finger on why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't something that you talked about. It wasn't something that came up a lot. And when it did, people usually didn't have nice things to say. So that was something. And of course, when it finally clicks that you know why you're different and why you feel something that society at the time told you was wrong you know it's it was it was a culture shock it was it was it was you know it was it was it was really hard and so what was like where when did the penny drop um i can't really put a i can't really put a put put a, a time on it. it just kind of happened when it all just kind of when you just kind of realize you know why don't i fancy these really stunning girls you know i i had a lot of female friends in school. I had a lot of male friends because I played football, you know, or soccer to, you know, to a lot of international listeners. And I, and I just didn't understand why I wasn't being attracted to these girls. Like my friends were, you know, my friends would all be having banter and talking about girls in, you know, very explicit ways. And, and it didn't phase me one bit, you know, it didn't, it, I, I didn't have anything to contribute, but, and then, you know, you started realizing why, and you, you just kind of were like, Oh, okay. And I think the only time I can really pinpoint in a school was when I, the first time I came out and I, I, and I was really struggling. I mean, I was really struggling. You know, I used to be quite a, an intelligent, bright student. You know, I'd, I'd get really good grades. And because of struggling, my grades kind of just went off the, went off the deep end. Mm. And I remember telling my, my teacher um, about it, you know, because I was really struggling. And I, I, I did. I, felt, I think I needed help. I really did. And she said, I, I can't talk to you about this. Uh, of course. And it was because of Section 28 at the time. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. I was a 14-year-old kid. I didn't know anything about Section 28. I didn't know. You know, I just I was just looking to someone I looked up to as a mentor 
to kind of help me through this, 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 these things I was feeling. Mm. And she just said, I can't talk to you about this. I'm sorry, but I, I can't talk to you about this. That, I mean, can you just think, pause for a moment, like a 14 year old plucking up the courage to confide in an adult that they trusted and then to just be shot down like that. It broke my heart. It, it broke, it, it, it broke my heart. I mean, it, it set me back because it made me feel even more of an outcast. It made me yeah. feel like I was some dirty secret that needed to be locked away, you know, and 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 it did. It screwed me up for a long, long time, and you know, and it was so hard because I just couldn't think of anything else. I'd be up all night wondering how am I going to live? How am I going to live with this big giant monkey on my back? How am I gonna? How am I gonna do that? And and did that conversation then impact what you did next in terms of talking to other people about it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I I I don't think I told anyone for another two and a half years. Oh gosh. You know, I just, oh, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I, I just felt so, what's the word? I felt so alone. Mm. I just felt completely abandoned and ashamed because I was coming around to the idea that, you know, maybe there's a path for me here. Maybe there's a way I can reconcile these feelings and reconcile the fact that I am different. And, you know, and, and hopefully that teacher would have helped me see that and see it through, but nope, she couldn't. She couldn't talk to me about it, and I was just dismissed like I was, like I was some sort of you know turd on a shoe. And then, and then the the two and a half years later, who was the person that you spoke to next about? <laughs> so uh, it's a, a female friend of mine, and um, she didn't take it too well because she had feelings for me. We were very close, but it it, it was very much you know it was, it was it's all very you know cats in the cradle. Um, in that she had feelings for me and obviously I didn't. Um, so, you know, as part of that conversation, I had to, you know, I had to come clean. I had to, I had to, I had to, you know, tell, you know, tell her my truth. And she was extremely shocked, which, um, you know, I, I mean, back then I, I, I didn't have any, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like effeminate, you know, I wasn't flamboyant in any way. I was just me. I used to play football. I, I, I like sports and, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that, that that's a factor anymore because there's plenty of gays who like football and play sports now. But mm. you know, but the stereotype back then was if you like football and play sports, you can't be gay. So she was very, very shocked. And, you know, thankfully for me, that was the last negative experience I ever had telling someone, you know, about it. So was it like she was shocked in there and it just took some time for her to get over, or was that just was it worse than that? I think she was just shocked and hurt. I think I think uh-huh. it's definitely one of those things that the longer you leave it, um, the harder it gets. And I just think she felt kind of betrayed that I didn't confide that much sooner. Um yeah. but again, I mean I probably would have if I'd had some, you know, the support and if I had the the help I think I needed, I may you know, maybe I would have, but it's just I I couldn't think of it. I just I just dreaded the idea. It made me sick to my stomach to think about doing it. It's such a weird head fuck, isn't it? I had a, a similar situation and, and, and you know, every single sign was pointing towards me being uh, a homo and, and <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone just took every opportunity to tell me um, like, oh, you're going to be gay when you grow up and like, you're a fag. <laughs> um, but I had uh, a, a close uh, female friend and we just did everything together and we were just like so tight and... 
yeah, then then kind of having to be like, oh yeah, you know how like everyone says I'm gay, yeah, like I am. Um, that was so difficult, and it felt like yeah, it felt like I was betraying her. Mm. I, I know ex- exactly, and I think that's what what she felt in the moment as well. I think she felt kind of betrayed by by me not feeling comfortable enough to confide that, and, and also because she was. You know, she was hurt by the fact that you know that the, the feelings that she had weren't reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think it was kind of a mix of all of that. But like I said, thankfully, it was the last kind of negative experience I've had around coming out. And so everyone else was like, "Yay, come on out!" Oh yeah, my, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I never forget. Sorry. My, <laughs> no, no, but they were. I mean, they literally. My sister literally was my sister. Um, you know, she kind of found out by accident. Actually, all my brothers and sisters found out by accident. I didn't get a chance to, to sit them down and do the whole, you know, I'm gay thing. I didn't really get the chance to do that. It was all kind of, they all found out accidentally. How, how do you find out accidentally? Like, finding uh, well, your magazines? <laughs> well, not quite. So, um, my brother, my oldest brother, found out when he decided to buy his first computer and then logged onto Face Party, set up a dating profile, and then he saw me on there. And he kind of <laughs> rung me up and he was like, uh, Craig, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm on Face Party, you know, God bless it, back in the day. Um, you know, I'm What's on Face-, Face Party. It was like the precursor to all the gay dating sites. Oh. So Face Party was like this really kind of... Um, just just, a, just a, like a precursor dating site to everything okay. else. So kind of like, it was back in the day when Gaydar was huge and and things like that. So um, so he'd be like, uh, yeah, I, I see your profile on Face Party. It says you're into guys. And, and, he, and he kind of like, oh, holy shit. You know, because I mean, I bless my brother. He's not known for being calm. Um, so I was always really scared of him finding out. But then he just came over and gave me like the biggest hug. And he was just like, Aww. yeah, and he was great. You know, he completely blew me away because I, I always thought he was going to like beat me up or something, which is ridiculous thinking back in it now. Um, but it, it did make us closer, you know. N- but n- so, n- so hang on. This is, so, <laughs> sorry to, to be like picking holes in this. Okay. But like, so how would he have found you unless he was looking for guys who like guys? I don't think, I don't think he looked at, I, I think at Face Party, you could look at everyone regardless of the sexuality. I think that I remember back in the day, you could look at anything. So I think when he first went on there, I think my profile came up because I was local to him. He didn't really ask you your sexuality okay, or okay. the filter. So it was kind of, <laughs> that's how I remember Face Party anyway. But okay, sorry. I'm just getting into like, hang on, your brother's gay. Just, no, absolutely um, not. He, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, literally, he, he, he has no problem with it. But I, I, I literally can't think of anyone who's more hetero and more kind of that whole stereotype mask for mask thing you know that is my brother god bless him for it but uh uh, that's how he found out anyway and then um my sister found out when i was on a night out with my friends and she went to the toilet and one of my female friends was there and they just happened to talk for whatever reason i don't know why apparently women talk all the time in the bathroom so you know it just happened and she was like oh you know my sister's like oh i'm craig's brother and my friend turned around and went oh gay craig and my sister was like, no, my brother's not gay. And then, you know, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And she comes and then running. And just awkward. <laughs> no, it wasn't because there's the thing. Like, I, I mean, she just comes running up to me in the bar and she goes, oh my God, are you gay? And I'm just like, uh, 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 maybe. Yeah. And then she just starts crying in the middle of the bar. And I'm just there going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And it turns out it's like her dream to have a gay brother. <laughs> So she's like crying with literal <laughs> happiness in the middle of this bar. 
And then she's like, oh my God, I'm going to have someone to go shopping with, you know, do hair with. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. I was like, Claire, I was like, I know you want a gay brother. I said, but I hate shopping. You know, I hate shopping. And my hair is awful at all times ever. I said, I'm not going to be, I think she wanted that really stereotypical gay brother. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she was really heartbroken when she found out I wasn't going to go on shopping trips and we weren't going to reenact the scenes from Clueless, you know, um, you know, and she was really devastated. Then she started crying because she was like, oh my God, of all the people, why did I get the bad gay brother? Um, <laughs> so she was devastated, but she's been great. She loves it. She, she loves gay clubs. She, she absolutely loves it. So it's not it's not that you're gay that's a problem, it's that you're not leaning into any of the stereotypes. Exactly, yeah. She's just like <laughs> she, honestly, I think she would have she would she wants me to like be covered in makeup and whatever, which is nothing wrong with that, but it's 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 not me. Um so she was I don't know, that's I think that's what she wanted. She just basically wanted uh, a big gay brother. <laughs> and so have we have we gone through all of the siblings then? Oh, and and my youngest brother when I say my youngest, he's older than me, but you know, he's the one in between. So he kind of found out when him and my other brother decided to do um, some, uh, we'll just say substances. We'll just leave it there. And, um, <laughs> and apparently the conversation went like this. Oh, by the way, Craig's gay. And there's like, Oh, okay. And, just, <laughs> and it was literally like that. And, 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 and what I love the most, I mean, it, it, they literally don't give a shit. They, it, it, they don't give a shit. They just don't give a shit about it. Most people, who found out that I told literally didn't give a shit. And I think that was the most enlightening thing in the world for me. I did. I don't want to do the whole big coming out thing. I don't want to come in out party. I just want to be treated exactly the same way as I was before people knew. Um, and, and that's what I wanted. You know, it's, it's like my, when my football team found out when I was, when I went, we used to play football, we all went out, I got drunk and apparently on the way home, I just came out in a big dramatic scene. <laughs> so hang on i thought you weren't leaning into stereotypes no but it's drink it's drink it's drink's (laughs) fault it's jack daniel's fault but uh, it was i'm I'm basing on their account because i was wasted i only found i only found out when i went to training the next day and they were like oh craig you were so funny you were telling everyone you were gay last night and it was like oh shit and well, and so they had they had interpreted it as you were just joking around yeah they did and then it was like and then it was like I was like, okay, guys, I, maybe I wasn't joking, you know. And then, you know, after a couple of minutes of questions, you know, making sure that I didn't fancy any of them, which is the natural reaction they get. <laughs> and I really didn't. Um, you know, uh, they just kind of did their, they made a few jokes and and then they just didn't give a shit. And, and they were amazing about it. I remember when someone called me something not very nice in the pitch and about three of them run over and, you know, was, was, was really defending me. And I just thought, wow, you know, and... It was. It, I'm very lucky in that aspect because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of people in sports who don't have that experience who oh, have to hide oh. who they are, especially in today's culture. So I, I I do feel very lucky in that in that aspect that I have been surrounded by people who, for the most part, have been amazing and they literally couldn't give a shit. Oh, that's. I mean, that's that's lovely to hear. Um, not for the show though, because I, you know I'm trading on trauma here. So <laughs> if you, if you bring some more trauma up later on. That'll be really useful. <laughs> Um, so do you remember then the first time that you ever went to Champ- Champers? I do. Um, and it's only because I met one of my other best friends, my, my, my good friend, Rob, who won't mind being named because I've checked. But um, so basically a mutual of us introduced me to Rob and he was probably the first other local gay I'd met. <gasps> and Oh, uh, oh, I've just remembered only gay in the village. Sorry, let's not talk about Oh, no, again, no, no, no. It's terrible. It's ba- Sorry. No, for, no, that that showed me my life hell for like 
Sorry. Three years. And it was just... no. It's fine. It's just it's just like I called David for like three years. You know, Bacardi Coke is the Only three years. I, well, you know, it gets put to bed thanks to Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, and Ed Sheeran. You know, new things come up when you <laughs> when you look like me and sound like me. New things always come up. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so 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 move on. So so there was uh, another. There was another gay in the village, and yeah. um, basically. Uh, he, he was, he, you know, he, he was cute. He was funny, and um, <laughs> I always remember the first time we met. I was like, "Can I have your number?" And him, out of pure politeness, gave it to me because none of us knew what we were doing. And um, and then I sent him a text going, "Hey, do you know, do you want to go out?" And bless his cotton socks, he sent me this essay. And I mean, it must have been you know, it was back in the days when you could only have like ten messages on your phone. Um, and he must have sent me an essay that pretty much fill my phone, you know, you know, being really cute. I mean, like, look, I don't see it that way. I don't have that attraction, you know, um, very cute, very lovely, very kind of diplomatic, you know, bless him. And it's the most Rob thing in the world. Um, you know, but horrible. I mean, it's horrible no, it was, when you get that was, message. No, and it you're wasn't. Like, oh, That's the thing. No, it wasn't. No, but it's it like, wasn't. how do I respond to this? Like, I can either be like, oh, yeah, no, I don't fancy you either. And and then in which case they're going to be like, oh, they're just lying. Or you can be <laughs> like, oh, devastated. And then they're going to be like, oh, well, I've got the upper hand. I think it's There's obviously no I was way to respond to that. Yeah, I was devastated, you, but it was it was the nicest possible rejection you could ever have. <laughs> I mean, if all my rejections were that nice, I'd be cool. I'd be fine. But So anyone who's listening, if you're going to reject uh, Craig in the future, make sure you write an essay. A thousand word essay, please. Um, <laughs> but no, so he rejects me. And um, we, we we just kept in touch because he was he was lovely. He hasn't got a bad bone in his body. I've known him for 20 years. He hasn't got a bad bone in his body. Um, well, maybe not 20 years, but less, you know, whatever. But um, he... So Sais texts me on Valentine's Day and he's like, what are you up to? And I was like, nothing. I'm single and we live in, you know, South Wales, the gay desert of Britain. And he's like, he's like, should we go to a gay bar? And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, let's go to a gay bar. We've never been. Let's go to a gay bar. And then we're kind of like, well, where is the nearest gay bar? And he was like, oh, you know what? There's, there's Shampers in Swansea, which was, you know, pretty infamous. Uh, but I'd never been. I was too scared to go. So we just ended up going to Swansea and it was, it was the best night ever. Not just because it was my first experience of an LGBT venue, because I, I met one of my closest friends. I met someone who's practically family to me. And that is the start of the friendship. And we, and it, and we got, you know, we got that friendship going in a gay bar. You know, we, we both braved this new experience together. Um, and it was, it was, it was, like I said, it was eye opening, but it was, it was incredible to be in a space where you, you didn't have to pretend who you were. And it was the first time for both of us. Mm. And so, so you said um, that you were scared of going on your own. You were terrified of that. Was Rob like the, the person who was like, we're going to do it and we're going and this is just the way it is. Or were you kind of geeing each other up? Both. In. It was it was kind of a mix of both. He was the one who was kind of like, you know, we need to do this. You know, we have to do this. Let's just do this. We can't, you know, we can't be single forever. We need to get out there. Um, and he's very much been that guy, a guy. He's very much, he puts himself out there. He's, he wears his heart on his sleeve and it's all great. You know, he's one of the best people I know for that. Uh, but we did have to G each other on because we were just kind of, I, I remember we were standing outside the door and we were like, are we really going to do this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we're like, oh, Christ, let's do it. And then, you know, obviously we dealt with it the only way you know how. Drink. <laughs> okay so before we get to the drink what, so just describe that feeling to me like standing outside 
and trying to talk each other into going in? Well, it was it was it was literally stepping into the unknown. You know, it was you have no idea what was on the other side. And and Champas used to have um this kind of really art deco uh look to it. You know, it'd have these clear glass blocks, very 1960s. So you can kind of see what's going on in the bar, but your mind is whirring, you know, you've you've passed it dozens of times and you've always wondered, God, I wonder what goes in there. And of course you hear stories. Um, but you know, what stories, know. what stories? So well, like, if, you, what, if you're a regular, like, in your brain, obviously my brain was, I was expecting to be in there and there'd be just lots of really horrible, nasty, seedy men given, you know, what I was told about what gay clubs were like. And of course it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh-huh. You know, it couldn't be more further from the truth, you know? And again, it goes back to that small town mentality that, that, you know, that me and Rob grew up in and, uh, we had no idea what was on the other side of the door, except that we knew we wanted to see it. We knew you know, deep down, if we were going to, 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 to be ourselves, we had to do it and, you know, screw whatever's on the other side of the door. Not literally, but, um, <laughs> you know, but we well, had thank to. you for, for uh, <laughs> clarifying. Um, <laughs> and so how, like, do you remember how long you were actually standing outside before you? you oh, it was only a couple lunch? of minutes. I mean, I'm trying not to make it a whole big dramatic life, you know, lifetime shot movie, but it's, it felt like a lifetime. It did because, it, it, you know, looking back, it's one of those decisions where, you know, in an alternate universe, I didn't go through the door and I'm still this closeted guy and happily married. But, you know, oh. we did go through the door and, and it was, it was amazing to be in this really friendly space. And that's one thing I've always loved about the Welsh gay scene is how friendly it is. You know, mm. I, I'm lucky to have, have played and, and DJed and, and gone to a lot of really incredible scenes but for me, the Welsh one is always the most welcoming and always the most friendly. And and I may be biased because I'm Welsh, but it is. And 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 and, and Champas was like that. He was he was literally like stepping on a new world. Okay, so you've stepped into the new world. What happens when you go through the front door of the bar? Um, well, in Champas' case, in Champas' case, he used to be greeted by this really strange oval bar that's smack bang in the middle of the room. So mm. there's literally no hiding. Because the bar's in the middle of the room. Everyone can kind of congregate around the bar. And th- there's no hiding. There's no escape. You know, when you walk in there, and you're kind of just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And and then within about an hour, once you've, you know, you sank a couple of cheeky vodkas, um, you kind of just realize that, yeah, this is where you're supposed to be. Because that's, 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 that's the thing about Champas. It really did make you feel ease. It was a pretty big venue. You know, probably the biggest in Swansea. I mean, there was a bigger one, but it shut down way before I got to go there. Mm-hmm. But um, it was pretty big. But it it always felt like like home. It just it was it was a great place to just kind of get your gay feet kind of in the water. You know, and and so like, what was the clientele like? Well, that's the thing. It was a it was just a mix. It was just this 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 eclectic mix. I mean, you had. You know, guys who were our age, you had guys who were much older, you had, you know, you had kind of the stereotypical effeminate gays, you had just, you know, the, the you know, mask for mask, muscle Marys, you know, it was just a really eclectic mix. And that's one of the things that made it amazing. And one of the things, you know, with very few exceptions, everyone was friendly, you know, you could go up and talk to them. If you were sitting on your own by the bar, you know, because your friends pulled or, you know, they'd gone to the toilet, they'll come and talk to you. They'd like, you know, they don't want to know about you. And it wasn't just a pickup line. You just always felt kind of at ease. 
because of this eclectic mix of people, I think, you know, I've been in plenty of bars where I felt like a fish out of water because of, of the way I look and the co- the confidence I don't have. But mm. going to Champers was the the absolute best first experience I could have. Oh, and you said before about like the rumors that, uh, of, of the kind of place it was, and was, was that all kind of born on the, uh, the homophobia and the kind of belief that like, oh, if you're gay, you're going to end up single and alone. So of course that bar is just full oh, of yeah. old men just Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that, I think that's the thing that upset me most was the idea that because of who I am, that I was destined to be alone. That I was destined to be, you know, um, mm. spurned by society. You know, like I could never be a productive member of society. Like I could never be happy because that's the way it was kind of sold to me when I was growing up. You know, when I was really struggling, that's the way we were kind of made to feel. And mm. and obviously it's very different now. Thank God it's very different now. But back then it it, it just did. It just felt like the worst news. It felt like you've just been given a, a terminal diagnosis for something. You know, that's how bad it felt. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that that was kind of th- the thing that went through every parent's head for a while, wasn't it? Like, oh, okay, he's going to get HIV. He's going to die. Or oh, if, yeah. he doesn't, if that doesn't happen, then he's just going to be alone for the rest of his life. And that's the thing. I mean, again, and that's something else that, you know, I mean, that's run through my lives. And I got to say, thank God for Russell T. Davis and It's a Sin right now, because thanks to that show, there's going to be a generation of young gay people who have no idea who they are right now, who don't have to go through what me and my friends had to go through, which was the utter horror of thinking that you're destined to get HIV and die, you know, like so many before you. Because that's mm-hmm. how, I mean, I'm not being dramatic, that is literally how I felt. I really did feel like I was I was just destined to... Like you said, either either contract HIV and or or just be spurned by society and be alone forever. End up, you know, sitting at the bar on my own, you know, end up paying for sex or something. I don't know. That's the way it was kind of sold. But mm. you know, and there's a really weird. It's just it's a really weird thing, isn't it? Like this whole generation of men who grew up just accepting. I don't know. Like just kind of being like, well. That's what society is telling me. If I choose to be myself, this is what's going to happen. It is. So I guess I guess that's what's going to happen. And like that just really screws with your head, right? It did. It really did. And it wasn't until I got to actually see and witness firsthand for myself what that life was like that I realized just how much bullshit I was told. Like the people who were telling me these things had no idea at all. But did you but did you not have any like residual? like hangover feeling even once even once that myth had been debunked um no i i ah. i genuinely think it was it was like an awakening it was like you go to this environment not knowing what to expect but expecting the worst you know it's one of those hoping for the best but expecting for the worst kind of situations yeah yeah um and i think spending time in there and especially doing it with someone like, you know, like someone who's now my best friend, doing it with someone I can trust, I can fight in and be my authentic self with. I think it just completely put to bed everything, every single rumor I'd heard. Because I couldn't, you couldn't have met lovelier people to meet. You couldn't have met mm. a nicer community who'd pull together to help you if you needed it, you know? And, and that's the way it was. And I, I just had so many amazing times in Champas after that. And it was, it was a learning experience. It was like a re-education. 
You know, it was like a re-education. I was being taught that, you know, you have options. There is a life for you. You're not destined to to die lonely of HIV, you know, like 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 the like it was being sold to you by, mm-hmm. you know, by you know, and, and and the way section twenty-eight made you feel, you know, that there was a future. You did have a place. It was perfectly okay. You know, and 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 it was all thanks to my, you know, my, my experience of going through those doors. You know. Oh wow, that's so powerful. I think I just like just hung on to that for a bit too long um even when or even if i was outwardly saying well that's not the case that's not what's happening mm. i think that there was just so like deeply embedded in my psyche that 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 kind of just stuck with me for a while but but sorry this isn't about me this is about <laughs> you um the other thing that i wanted to ask you is uh what do you normally do when your friends pull Usually, um, nine times out of ten, I just, I just, I get drunk. I mean, that's not a healthy thing. I mean, looking back, I realized that there were probably better ways for me to deal with it. But it was all very kind of robbing, dancing on my own. I'd be in the corner, and you know, and and I think is I've made peace with the fact that I'm not your, you know, your your stereotypical kind of um, type of guy. You know, I, I, I like, let's just say I'm not going to be known for my looks. I, I'm very okay with that. I'm okay with who I am. I'm okay with what I project. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. I've made peace with the idea that when I walk into a room, I'm going to be pretty much anonymous. And, and I like it that way for the most part. But, you know, it, I remember going into a club. It wasn't Champers, but I'll tell the story. I remember going into a club in Birmingham. I think it was Nightingales, which is an amazing club. And uh, I was with um, a friend and he was obviously very twinky, very good looking, very skinny, very what I considered a lot of gays were looking for back then. Um, and I wasn't. I was, you know, chunky, you know, large and in charge, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, and I remember we were talking and he literally got picked up. This guy picked him up, literally picked him up, and relocated my friend to his group. <gasps> and 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 I and I was kind of like, I went over, I was like, I was like, it's like, do you fucking mind? And he was like, oh, you must be the funny one. Ugh. And I was and I was like, well, yeah, I am. But that's my friend. We were having a conversation. Fuck off. But then my friend was like, oh, no, no, he's really cute. And yeah. Oh, that's okay. But that, And so then did your friend just go off with, it's, it's, I know it's not the point of the story, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just getting outraged on your behalf. Um, did your friend like go off with this guy then after he did that to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean. There's many reasons why we aren't friends anymore, but but I realized that I was kind of always cast as the funny one. I was always cast as, yeah, you know, you see these really horrible movies and they tell you that there's always a friend in the group that's there to make others look good. I felt like that friend. Mm. And I was just kind of there for convenience. I was there until he could find someone prettier to, to, to you know, to hang out with. Ugh, that's really shit. Um, but the thing is, it's just, it's, it's not, you know, that's, that's just not my experience. That's, that's a lot of people's experience. And, um, and part of accepting, you know, being gay is accepting your, your place, I think. And, you know, I, I, obviously it, 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 it was devastating to realize that you were not the pretty one or you weren't desired, but you kind of just realize, hang on, there's other qualities to me than the way I look. And you just kind of make peace with it. And you just kind of go, you know what? The right person comes along and, and you know, appreciates you as cliche as it is. So, 
you know, like I said, I've always liked that I'm kind of anonymous because I, I, I'm really, really shit to talking to people. Um, I was always like the moody one. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was always like so incapable of uh, like just talking to people like normally. So I think I was just, I just came off as really aloof and really, uh, I don't know. Oh my God, that's the same hoity. for me. That's the same. That's literally the same for me. I mean, the number of times that people say to me, oh, I thought you were a dick when I first met you because they'd meet me and I'm just like, I shrivel up. You know, when I meet new people, I just shrivel up. I, I mean, I've been lucky to play to crowds of like 15,000 at huge pride events. But the idea of clocking another guy's eye across the bar and going up to him and talking to him is literally my worst nightmare. I cannot do it. No amount of Jack Daniels on this planet can make that happen. It's my worst fear. I just can't do it. So when people meet me and I'm just this, this, this really kind of, and I do come off as ignorant, I know. But, you know, once I've loosened up and got to know someone, I, you know, I, I become myself. And then they're like, oh, I thought you were a dick the first time, Greg. And it, it, <laughs> it's, it's horrible, isn't it? It's like, hmm. it's, you don't want to make a fool of yourself. So you just end up just not saying anything <laughs> yeah exactly i mean and the thing is i mean i i have verbal diarrhea i have this innate ability that when i do say something really? i do I oh my god yeah i just i just do i have i have the worst <laughs> honestly i have no game at all i have none at all i mean i could talk a good game on the radio but you put me in a club and i'm just yeah it's just no no, no. It, it, it's it's awful i'm an example of what not to do when you want to pull in a gay club. It's just, yeah. It's... I, think, I think like maybe one in every 10 people think I'm hilarious and then everyone else is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, so I just kind of learned to just be like, well, I'll just say nothing. <laughs> See, and this is why I love being a DJ because now I get to be in the club. I get to be in the party, but I'm protected in my own little bubble that is the DJ box. And, <laughs> and I you've don't got have... purpose. You've got something to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm being paid for it, which is you know, equally great, but it's also, I'm protected as a bubble. I'm usually got a bouncer next to me. I don't have to be social. I'm too busy to be social. <laughs> I'm not expected to be social. I'm just there to press play, get drunk and get the party going. And I love but that. But there's, there's the power as well, isn't there? Like, oh, you want me to play your song, do you? Hmm. I do love that. I mean, if any <laughs> DJ tells you that they don't love that, they're lying. They're so lying. It is, it is great. Especially when someone really cute comes and asks you, you know? So, um, you know, like when someone you've been clocking eyes on, you're like, oh, yeah, definitely like that. Um, and then they come and ask you for a song. Nine times out of ten for the past two years has been Ariana Grande. For some reason, every guy I like likes Ariana Grande. I don't know, it's weird. But um, they come over and ask for Ariana Grande. I was like, well, I could play it for you, I guess. You know. <laughs> but it's 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 one of those things. But, you, you know, it, it comes with the territory. And I think that's, uh, you know, and again, that's that's another evolution of me being comfortable in, in gay bars is, is just feeling like I had a place because nine times out of ten, you know, um, you know, if you want to get your little violin out, you can. But nine times out of ten, I, I don't. If I'm not behind the box in a DJ, you know, in a bar, I just don't feel, you know, there's a lot of bars I don't feel comfortable in because I, I just feel like they're looking at me and they kind of go in, oh, God, what's that thing yeah. doing in you? I don't think that that's an unusual response. No. I think a lot of people do. Um, I wanted to keep asking about about when your friends pull because I never, I could never figure out what to do. Um, again, this goes back to the beauty of a club like Champers, you know, like 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 a lot of great gay bars and gay clubs. Uh, even if your friends pull, sometimes you just you just don't care because you're just having such a good time, you know. And and you and, and I think 
when you're out with a group of gays, you know, gay friends or you're a gay wingman, whatever, you just learn to accept that. Um, you know, it's happened to me loads of times and I've just learned to get drunk and, you know, just, just have a little party on my own. And, you know, sometimes it ends up with me sticking Adele on in, in, in bed and crying my eyes out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but at other times you just, you're just having a great time and you get to meet good people. And I remember in Grand Can, my friend left me in the middle of tapas because he, he pulled some hot muscle daddy and I got adopted by these lesbians on the table next to me. Um, so, you know, and, and they were funny and we had a great night. But, you know, it, it, I think it's one of those things that it, it just kind of happens. I've just kind of learned that it happens and there's a way to deal with it. And that is just don't let it ruin your night and understand that, you know, that your friends are going to come back with a, you know, a, a damn good story the next day. <laughs> well, yeah. And the possibility for adventure goes up when you're on your own. So you're not kind of shackled to another person. But, um, yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, I really can't be bothered talking to new people today <laughs> <laughs> and so so let's go back to champers champers um i always want to call it champers i think that's a common thing i think i think a lot of people did start saying champers um but it's named after champagne i'm told yes anyway yeah. um but i mean champers was always the bar that was always i was always kind of there that was there for years and years and years on swansea's high street literally down the road from the train station i always remember you know trying to be all clandestine Coming from the train station, you know, ooh, are the people going to see me going into this gay bar? Oh. And then in the end, you just you just end up not giving a shit. You know, confidence comes from going there a lot of the time. Um, one of the best things about Champers was this kind of, they had this outdoor area, you know, and it was always a smoking area. Um, and again, that was just one of those bits where you just go outside and you'd always go and get the goss from your friends. You know, they'd be like, because I mean, I don't smoke, so I just, I always used to hang around and just, um, just, just get the gossip. But that's Fair the thing, man. everyone, yeah. yeah, but, but it, it, it wasn't like you split off into these groups. You'd go out there and then other people would join in the conversation and then you'd be like, introduce yourselves and you just, you, it was just, you, it was like a community. It was, it was, it was, it was really felt like that. And I think, you know, there's not many LGBT spaces where that atmosphere exists today because it's, people are very much trying to keep themselves themselves. And I miss that. I do. I miss that. It's one of the things I miss about having a gay scene on my doorstep. You know, the, my newest gay club now is is in Cardiff and it's a it's a pretty good gay club. But there was something about Champers. There was just, yeah, there was something about all the bars on High Street, you know, because that was the, the pretty much the centre of Swansea's gay scene back there. It was High Street. It was literally down the road from the, the, the central train station. And you had Champers, you had Hush, you had The King's. Um, you had, um, oh, talk of the town was another one. Um, you know, and, and, and they all had their little quirks. They all had their regulars. They all had different approaches tonight. And, you know, and depending on you, what kind of mood you're in, you go to talk of the town for karaoke, you go to the Kings for drag Queens and games, you go to Champers for, you know, loud music and drinks and, and it it is such a shame that a city as big as Swansea, you know, that the, the gay scene mm. was decimated because it, it, at one point I think it was the best in Wales. I mean, Cardiff was is pretty special, but but it was something about Champers and the Swansea gay scene. And maybe I'm biased, maybe it's rose tinted glasses, but there was just something about it. And it's a real shame that there's an entire generation, maybe two generations of people now, that won't get to have that kind of experience that 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 me and my friends had of going to Champers and feeling a part of something that was bigger than yourself. 
Did you ever go to Shampers? Well, if you did, I would love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc., with the username KAndersonMusic. Reach out and tell me your anecdotes and show me photos and just tell me what you got up to there. And whilst you're at it, go and give Craig some love on social media. You can listen to his mixes at mixcloud.com slash DJ Craig Law. And you can also find him on Twitter with the same username, DJ Craig Law. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I've been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and will be releasing songs over the coming year. You can hear the first single, Well Grim Boys, which is also playing underneath my talking right now, on all good streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on Apple Podcasts, or just told people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.